Thank you for listening to The Only Way Is Up, where we use science and spirituality to arm you in the battle of good mental health. The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice from a qualified healthcare professional. Please like, follow, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to The Only Way Is Up, where we battle out mental health with spirituality and science. Today is episode 7, A Journey to Freedom, part 2. Basically, today is a follow-up to our conversation last time, which is, if you are, I guess last time we sort of said what we were going to do to get into therapy, and now we're going to discuss the details of once you are in therapy. In fact, actually, I see right here, Jack said, so now I'm in therapy <laughs> on, our, on our footnotes. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, are you going to like refer to the notes at some point? But that's cool. Before we dive into this, though, you uh, you just had a uh, an anniversary weekend, didn't you? I did. My wife and I have uh, been married for 28 years. That's 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 a long ass time. And the, that was on Saturday. And on Sunday is our youngest daughter's birthday. And she just turned 25. And what did you all do to celebrate? We were actually at the beach. So that was pretty nice. That's not too bad. Nope. But Some on nice beach time, we did. We did. Uh, unfortunately, on Saturday, we got to spend six hours, seven hours of that beach time driving because I yeah. picked up my truck from Charleston because on our last vacation, it broke down in Charleston. Well, it is a Ram. So well, that, that okay. It didn't break down. It was just the, you know, rear differential ate itself, but well, still better than uh, not having a vehicle. So I'm going to say that. Jack, I, I, my, my only final words are is that you're a real son of a beach. Wow. Okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to leave that I one don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, today we are joined by my newborn daughter in the studio, uh, our, our first official guest. Anyway, but yeah, she is next to us, so if you all hear some crying on the microphones, you know you know what that is. We didn't kidnap a baby. She's, she's our baby, and currently she's eating her hand, and Jack looks disturbed by such a thing <laughs> no i was just disturbed by the fact that he said it's our baby and i just want to clarify that it's him and his wife oh, oh yeah. their baby <laughs> my wife and i and our babies are 27 and 25 so we're good we figured out what was causing it all right so let's dive in uh so now i'm in therapy when does it end jack take it away Okay, therapy for mental health is like anything else it takes time to heal a broken bone and sometimes it takes longer than it should what is key to remember is that it is okay and it is a journey for it to take a while. Do not try to compare yourself to others' time frame for how long they were in therapy. Some people, some bones heal quickly, some bones take a long time. Well, the same thing with mental health. Like, you don't know. It, and, and that's why you go to peel the layers. And one thing I wanna kinda throw out there is, I, I heard from someone the other day, and I don't have this in our notes, but. I was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, there's this one thing from my early 20s that I just need to come to grips with. And as soon as I do that, like I'm all good to go. Like, that's it. I just need to t speak to a therapist about that one thing and that's it and then move on. And I'm and I'm hesitating, but I'm like, uh, <laughs> hopefully it's just that one thing. But, you know, if the therapist starts peeling back the layers of the onion and you start saying, no, 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 wait, you're going too deep. I don't want to talk about any of that stuff. You're keeping it surface level and you're never going to get fully healed. Yeah, that doesn't serve anybody. You, you, you need to be in, intimate, uh, vulnerable. You, you need to open up. I mean, ideally. 
Absolutely. Um, so that's what we're going to get in today. That's what we're going to talk about, you know, all right. I, you know, last week we talked about how to get going, how to get started. You know, what do I do? Different types of therapy. Exactly. Yeah. All that type of stuff. And now we're talking about the meat and potatoes of it. And this is where I call it the grind, right? Because you just get to a point in the process like, I'm done. I am sick of this. I feel like I'm not getting any better. I, I'm just in a rut. I, I feel worse than I did last week. I thought you were supposed to fix me. Everything. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff today. Yeah, uh, maybe some expectations. Ultimately, do not compare yourself to to anybody. Their anxiety journey is their own, and it will only serve to make you more anxious, upset, depressed if you if you try to compare yourself to other people and you know either the time that it took them to heal, the amount of medicine they're taking, the lack of medicine, et cetera, and so forth. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's true. It's it's um, therapy is difficult. Anyway, uh, what to expect with therapy? Jack, take it away. Okay, first and foremost, therapy is hard, period. I, I don't care the biggest, toughest guys. I, I've been in certain situations around the world and combat zones and stuff like that. And I will tell you, therapy is literally the hardest thing I've done, even after all my years of military and training. What has helped me was being honest and straightforward. The more you reveal, the better the healing process is going to be. Why, why was her therapy hard for you? What, what did you find difficult about it? Opening up specifically or? Yeah, I didn't want to talk about it. Like, okay. I, like all these things that I had in my Pandora's box, I stored away for a reason. Sure. I, I didn't want to think about it again. Um, and I didn't want to go through and relive those horrible things that I had to deal with. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, and, and I'll, like one of the first ones we dove into, and this one was really hard. Um, I think it was 99, 2000. Um, we had, so I was stationed up in Point Judith, Rhode Island, and we were at a small boat station where we focused on search and rescue and law enforcement. And the duty we stood is you would stand two days on, two days off, and every other weekend. So in a week in a two-week process, you would go Monday, Tuesday on duty, Wednesday, Thursday off duty, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on duty, off Monday, Tuesday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So that's that's it. That's basically. That hurt my head just listening to that. Yeah, um, that's all right. I'll use smaller words. Um, <laughs> well, in a three-month summertime season up there, we typically would have four three to five boating accidents or drowning deaths, right? I mean, that's just typical. That's what you're going to have to deal with. Some summers you had zero, but typically it was three to five. Uh, that summer in particular, we had 13. And my duty section that I was in charge of, we had 10 of those. So that's that's like kind of like off the Richter scale of what we had to deal with. And one in particular was... Um, it was a 16-year-old boy that had been underwater for 45 minutes, drowned. They found, we brought him back up, and I spent four and a half hours doing CPR on this kid. Um, it was a tourist town. We couldn't get the ambulance to come pick us, to come pick him up. So all it was was myself and two other guys and the parents standing behind us. And every time you get tired, like the father would put his hand on my shoulder and be like, just please don't stop. Yeah. And that and that's hard, right? You know, like it's 
So that was a hard thing for me to talk about. Uh, obviously, there was a lot more detail that obviously I'm leaving out. There was stuff to deal with as well. Um, but when I told that story to my therapist, I kind of kept it at that surface level, kind of like I just did, right? Just kind of hitting the high points. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, what were the smells? What were the sounds? What did, what, what did it? And the next thing you know, like, I, I found myself trying to avoid talking about all those things. But once I, I brought all that stuff up, once I talked about all that stuff, it was like this weight was lifted off my shoulders. And, te and literally it was. Like, so, I don't so, have to carry that burden anymore. So, so, like, what you're saying was that she started, like, baiting you for information where, like, she was trying to, in, in a way, get you to sort of relive the experience and then sort of divulge information based on trying to clearly recount the tale kind of thing. Yes, but the biggest thing is that she was digging deeper. Like it wasn't done. It's it, it's not a bullet high points. Like yeah. you need to talk about every single bad piece to get it out. Yeah, like of the you. detail of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a clogged pipe. It just yeah, I, exactly mm. right. Um, so inevitably, you'll get to a point where you think you're well, or you'll think you you kind of know what's best for your therapy at that point, or you just don't think it's working. That, that's kind of like some points you're going to get to during your therapy time, which is what we're talking about with the, from the very beginning, middle section uh, to near the end. I, I would define that as a setback, by the way, that if you're in therapy and you find that it's not working as you expected, one of two things is either happening. Either A, it's not the right therapist, or B, you're having a setback. And remember, you do need to power through those setbacks. I think maybe a good way to determine whether it's the therapist versus an actual setback is like, I mean, ultimately you just need to kind of figure out if you've got good chemistry with your therapist, you know, as it is. I think a mark of a good therapist is also somebody that does bait you, somebody that asks you questions. Unfortunately, I've dealt with some talk therapists that like, they don't ask me anything. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, it's kind of like, yeah. this, this is an awkward first date. It's like, shouldn't you be asking me about, you know, my problems? And, and um, I don't know, it's, just, it's a little bit, Anyway, that's how you know. That's that's the difference between a setback and, and chemistry. But anyway. Kind of as like a side note. If you feel that your therapist is avoiding and digging into deep detail, you might need a new therapist. And that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. I'm throw and, my, and mine does that for what it's worth. But I don't. I need a, I need a new therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's mine. But I mean, I but I don't know. I think her client list is full. But um, so all of these things are normal. And I suggest you relay these thoughts to who you're working with. Say, hey, I, <laughs> I don't understand the, the point of therapy here. If I come in and you say hi and I say hi and then we talk about the weather and then 20 minutes goes by and then we leave and we don't really talk about anything, then I don't have I don't understand what I'm paying for. Um, yeah, you, don't don't, wanna, you don't want to feel ripped off. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's just I'm not coming here for a cheerleading moment. I'm coming here to to figure out what's what's what am I dealing with down deep. Uh, now, and I love this part, my Christian belief would say that you have to endure the process to get to the other side. Chris would say Rome was not built in a day. I love how you split the uh, religious verse <laughs> well, I, engineering I, point of view there. You know, I don't want to put anything on Chris, you know, uh, that's all. Uh, however you choose to view it, just know life is better. When the professional says, 
hey, you know what? You're good. And there's no reason for us to meet for therapy anymore. And and I got to be honest, like I heard it for the first time in like two and a half, three months ago, my therapist. And it was funny because she'd been alluding to it for like six months. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, you know, I don't, I think we've talked about everything. Is there anything else can you think of? And I'm like, no, not really. And then we would talk about, you know, cars or whatever. But see, that's that's the big thing with you. So you felt she brought it up like, hey, I think you're ready to, you know, spread your wings and fly. And But you felt like you were ready to spread your wings and fly. If there's ever a therapist that's dismissive of you, like you're basically like she's like or he is saying, you know, I, Jack, I think you're, you know, ready to be on your own. You know, we've made a lot, covered a lot of ground and, and you're, I would consider you healed of anxiety. And you're saying, I really don't think so. I've still got a lot of shit on my shoulders. I'm not feeling well. No, 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 I think you're right. Then that's, again, that is a dismissive health professional. You need, I mean, then find somebody else. Ultimately, if they're going to dismiss you, then find somebody else. Um, but just, you know, you need to be the, your advocate and in the pilot seat. If they're saying you're ready, but you don't feel ready, you know, then fine. Again, it's okay to continue to get help elsewhere. Uh, you know, just caveat that. Absolutely. And remember, most of us are not trained mental health professionals, and we need to let them do their job. However, if Chris just said it best, you need to advocate for yourself. If you don't feel like a process is working, or, you know, in the beginning with my therapist, there was like three sessions in a row where she like mentioned, you know, Hey, I think we need to look at this prescription drug thing. I I think we need to like talk about it. And I was very adamant from the very beginning. I'm not taking drugs. If this, if you're going to keep mentioning this and you're going to keep pushing it, then I'm going to find a new therapist. And I literally said that, like, I, I, like I'm, my head's spinning 90 miles an hour as it is. And I've already told you like three times I'm not taking drugs. I, I'm not having this conversation. And she, and literally, boop, we're done. Okay. <laughs> no more. Even this bottle of snake oil? <laughs> All right. The snake oil works. Okay. <laughs> so here's a couple of things. Like I found myself saying, and I don't know if you will have or will, but just to kind of put your head in the right space. Um, Sometimes it feel like, feels as if I just keep repeating myself. Sometimes you're going to, and I'm going to tell everybody, sometimes you're going to go to three or four therapy sessions talking about the same thing. Yeah. And you, and, th- and the whole reason why is because they're not finished unpe- unpacking that. They're going to, you know, I can only take you so far this session. Next session, we're going to kind of recount what we talked about, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. And then the third session, like we're going to recount the first two and we're going to really dive deep on this one. A a good therapist will do that. A bad therapist will push you right off the diving board from the high end, right? When you've never, you don't even know how to swim. Uh, So that's okay. That's all right. And everything will be all right. Um, The the repetition thing also is like, you, you know, a lot of the time with anxious or depressive thoughts, your thoughts are like stuck, so to speak. So going to therapy and talking about the same thing multiple times, especially if directed by the therapist, it, it, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you're just trying to shake loose the, the you know, the, again, the, the, the clog or, you know, the whatever it is, you're just trying to kind of get it out of your system. And, you know, sometimes it does. It takes multiple sessions to do that. So that's, it is normal. Uh, 
another thing I found myself saying is, you know, when is this going to end? Like, and, and, and I found myself saying that when I was avoiding topics. Like, I, I, okay, when I come in this week, I know they're going to talk about X. I don't want to talk about it. Like, sure. I, I, I just, like, I'm done. Like, I, I'm done. Uh, I'm done being upset. I'm done being frustrated. I'm done crying. I'm done with with all of this. Like, I just need a break. And I will say this. Say that to the therapist. Now, is there ever a point where you said like, okay, I, I don't want to talk about X and X thing. And then she said, okay, well, we'll table it for another time then. And then she would... Absolutely. Go to, yeah. Absolutely. And that's totally fine. Like, she's like, hey, I want to, I want us to revisit this. And I'm going to say... I need a I, I need a break on that. Give me a week, right? Because we met once a week. So just let me have a week. You just make me feel good about myself so that I can survive this week and then come back and then we can dive down into it. Yeah. Um, and then she was totally fine with that. She's like, good. Um, let's pick another hard thing. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> Why don't we just talk about the weather or something, right? But I don't pay someone to be a weatherman, right? I, I pay them to help me get better. And I will tell you, those sessions that she agreed to and said, okay, we can table this for like another week. I felt as if I kind of wish we would have pushed through. I wish that I would have pushed through and kind of listened to her because I, you know, looking back, did that delay my my ending date a week? You know, could I have been done a week or two or a month earlier adding up all those times that I was like, all right, I need a, just a break this week. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe yeah. not. I, I, it's not worth thinking about. I can tell you that much. I'd, I'd argue that like it was still your, you know, brain and body's way of saying like, I'm not ready yet so even even if you kept pushing through it like you'd still have the same end date because like that still meant that you were you you weren't ready to be open for a reason i guess is sort of what i'm getting at you know so like you know that it but it's true it's not worth trying to figure out if that was you know if that would have saved me time and money i mean don't don't look at it like that like it's like a time and money kind of thing i mean again you're going off ultimately to to heal yourself so um your your mental health has no value i mean it's or is invaluable rather <laughs> so and, and and this final thing that i found myself saying is i literally walked back in her office and she's like okay so how was your week and i was like it sucked uh x happened i flipped out lost my mind um and it's that printer again right you know <laughs> uh and like i just started spinning out like like i thought you fixed this last week and she laughs at me. <laughs> no, we didn't fix anything last week. We were we were talking and we kind of had a breakthrough. But, you know, because when we had that, we you know, there's going to be several breakthroughs throughout your, your, your time in therapy, which is awesome. I was looking at every time I hit a breakthrough, that stuff we talked about before the breakthrough, like I was fixed. Like, yeah. okay, we don't need to address that anymore because I'm fixed. Like, I'm good to go. I know now... I am never going to be 100% fixed. We talk about this the last couple of episodes and stuff. But I'm able to, you know, there's things coming at me like for the last three days. The difference is, is I'm able to manage those things coming at me. And I'm able to recognize 
when an anxiety thing is starting to come on. And I feel like, you know, to me, like my red, my face turns a little red and I start feeling the heat underneath my skin. And that's my, okay, it's breathing time. You go, go, go separate yourself, get, do some breathing. I, I'd still argue that is, I, I want to be very clear here that that to me is still healing anxiety. Because ultimately when you have an illness or whatever, like if you're able to, to elegantly cope or manage anxious thoughts, situations, anxiety, et cetera, and so forth, there's nobody on earth that doesn't have anxiety, right? right. But the reason why, or, or normal people, like, you know, maybe those with like a busted amygdala don't, uh, but anyway, which I, by the way, there are reports of that. People who's like amygdala is like malfunctioning. Uh, and there, there was like a, an interesting study done on a woman whose amygdala, I think she had a TBI and her amygdala like effectively stopped working. So she wasn't afraid of anything. So, I mean, like she could basically like put her hand on like a hot stove and I guess like still feel pain, but it was kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, makes no, it's no difference to me. But anyway, so point is, is that there's not a single person on this earth that doesn't have some form of anxiety, but if you're able to power through it and, and come out the other side you know, the victor, I mean, that's, that, that's healing. That is, that's what it, that's the point in your life that you should be. Um, but I mean, again, you can never expect not to, you know, life happens. You can never expect not to have some, some BS come up that you got to, you know, process and deal with. So. Absolutely. And this final thing before we move on to the next segment, why do I keep feeling hopeless and why does my brain, why doesn't my brain just stop thinking that way? Right? Like why why can't why can't it just stop? Like I, I said, look, look, um, this person was mean to me. I accept it. Move on. Like just let it go. But my brain won't. My brain wants to just keep you know keep, keep replaying it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, and And that and that by the way ultimately is what anxiety is or certainly a component of anxiety is stuck thoughts, intrusive thoughts. That that's also a big component of obsessive compulsive disorder in some some degrees OCD is not always just you know I need to wash my hands 10 you know 10,000 times in a day it can also be like hey I can't I'm, I'm obsessing over this particular thought I'm replaying this thing in my mind and there you know there's some tools out there that can can help you get past that such as journaling uh, again talk therapy um, CBT there's a few things but ultimately if your brain just keeps playing this playing this playing this probably means that there's something just kind of stuck in your nervous system and your brain or whatever. And you just, you know, maybe you have to loosen up a few other things before that particular thing will, will finally loosen up. So it is, it is a process. It is not going to happen overnight. You know, you will feel anxiety symptoms. It's, it's kind of like a hangover. I mean, like, you know, if you feel anxious on a Tuesday, you're still going to feel the effects from it on, you know, maybe even a Wednesday and Thursday. I mean, like it takes a couple days to kind of, get over it. And if, especially if you have something like general anxiety disorder, where every day you're feeling anxious, I mean, this is stuff that really, it's going to take time to process and, and, um, you know, you're not going to feel good overnight. It just, it just unfortunately doesn't really work that way. Especially if you're dealing with trauma, because, yeah. you know, you talked about it on Tuesday that does, and you processed it through your long term doesn't mean you're going to like, forget it. Right. Like now these memories are fresh in your head and now you're having to like, Oh, Wow. Okay. It, exactly. And, you know, there is like some proper CBT, you know, by somebody that's really talented at it. You know, they liken the healing process of if you put your hand by a flame and it's hot, 
you know, and, and you remove your hand from near that flame and then it, you know, cools down, that's good CBT. And then hopefully, um, you know, hopefully from there after a few days, you can kind of come down from that heat and, and, and heal. But again, I mean, ultimately like your, your, if you had your hand near that flame for a long time, chances are it's probably a little scorched and, and it's just going to take, you know, again, you, you finally move it from that flame, but it still takes time to kind of heal up. So, uh, why is the process so hard? Okay. So we're going to talk about two things. Um, resources and mindset. Now I found this website after I finished my therapy and I wish I would have known about it. And it's a government website. So prepare to have your socks blown off, right? So substance abuse and mental health services administration. Now I knew they existed. However, I never went to the website. I never tried to think about the resources that they have. And I will tell you right now, don't be me, AKA dummy, go to this website and look through all the resources they have. First and foremost, 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That's it. Um, if A lot of people, when they're going through the process, they're in the grind portion of therapy. The hopelessness just overtakes them. Um, I have a friend of mine, a uh, retired military uh, one of his guys that he was in Afghanistan with, the demons got to him. And four days ago, he stepped in front of a train. Um, so, you know, there, there's so many things out there. There's no reason. I won't say there's no reason to get to that point because I can't speak for everybody. But I want you to know that there are people and there are th places and contingency set up in place to help you yeah i mean if you're at that point where you're feeling suicidal or you have suicidal ideation by the way that is a common side effect of ssris just you know for those who either may be taking or maybe thinking about getting on ssris but basically um as you are titrating up on the medication suicidal ideation is a very very common side effect i actually experienced that on lexapro luckily i did not so much on zoloft but anyway if you are feeling like that please 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 like what's if you're going to kill yourself anyway what's the harm in calling the suicide hotline to talk to somebody for a brief moment before you do that uh and i i, I say that obviously a little bit flippantly but it's it really is kind of a good point like ultimately try to talk to somebody first before you decide to end things because there's really no coming back from from ending it so um you know and there, and there are there are uh, organizations and processes in place such as a hotline to to call and try to get some you know immediate help before uh, before you take that drastic step so I, and that's the big thing use your resources there are a ton of things out there um, next one I, I found it's called psychcentral.com and I love the stuff that they have written on there uh, the first thing that they say, while going through the process of therapy is embrace your emotions. Emotions don't go away if we ignore them. They come out later and in ways we don't quite understand, uh, explained a Miss Rachel Heinemann, a mental health counselor in Brooklyn, New York. 
She says the best thing to do when going when the going gets tough is to acknowledge your emotional experience and allow yourself to feel. Holding feelings in may make the situation more difficult to cope with in the long run, uh, explains another uh, doctor uh, named Donna Novak. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist in California. She says, let yourself feel all the emotions, sadness, frustration, grief. She suggests, allow yourself a space to cry, hurt, and be upset. You can use two examples of why this is a good thing. A, this is this is kind of two things. This is a form of acceptance. It's also a form of, I guess, letting go. But it, it, it is much, you know, the problem is people don't like pain. Yeah. And, and, the, and the problem with, like, you know, feeling sad or hurt, depressed, whatever, people don't like that feeling of pain because we live in a society nowadays that is so overabundant with entertainment, with food, with with just dopamine hits. Like if you just allow yourself a little bit of space to feel bad and you don't try to suppress or suffocate those feelings, chances are they'll they'll sort of flow on by on their own. And and that really is a a very helpful thing and it's an, an incredibly difficult thing, something that I actually struggle with I think still to this day even though I'm pretty good at sort of the pain tolerance side of things, you just, you need to let these things exist and, and take their place. And, um, you know, so that, it, that is something that you, you need to practice. You won't get good at it overnight. It will take months of, of learning how to sort of accept and let go. Yeah. And, and, and the biggest thing too, especially being former military and Southern and male and all this kind of stuff is, you know, I heard my entire life growing up and in the military, like, Hey, be a man, don't show your emotions. And, you know, you need to keep that stuff in. And and so it was hard for me during therapy. Like I would feel like that moisture coming from my eye. And I'm like, huh, I, I wonder what's wrong with me. I guess I have dust in my eye. No, hmm. um, it, it was like I was in the beginning process of starting to cry. And I was like, what, why am I crying? Why am I, you know, and then it's kind of weird because here I am, you know, not bawling like a, a baby or anything like that, but just like, it's, it's, it's uncontrollable. Like the, when you let the feelings go in your body and just allow yourself to be hurt, allow yourself to feel pain. And it's okay to say that, that hurt me, that, that, that I had to deal with, or that part, what that person did to me hurt. Like it's okay to say that stuff. And I, you know, a lot of men have trouble saying just that, um, which is why, you know, my, my Christian views with the communal living and everything like this, like this is all part of it. We're, we're not supposed to deal with life and struggles alone. We are meant to come together and help one another. Just as if like, if you're a farmer and this other person wants to be a farmer, you would go up and say, okay, if you want to grow corn, here's what I had to do. You had to do this, 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 and this right? And we help each other out. It's the same thing when it comes to mental health. Uh, so another one here, and I really like what this guy had to say. His name is Sam Bolin. He's a licensed clinical social worker in Linthicum Heights, Maryland. I probably screwed that up. Uh, he tells Psych Central that focusing on future positives is an effective strategy for individuals who are going through a hard time. He also recommends a thing called positive projection. This refers to focusing on 
the possible positive outcomes of a situation. He also suggests using guided meditation, which Chris has talked about extensively the last couple of shows, or general meditation for at least five minutes every day. While meditating, he says, try to focus on one or more desired outcomes for the situation. Uh, a positive projection requires turning positive intention into words. For example, the survival rate for my illness is 85%. And if I follow my treatment plan, I can be in that group. There aren't many job openings, but I have a great resume and a strong track record. The publisher rejected my manuscript. This is a typical part of the process, and it means I'm trying. All of this stuff that he's saying, and you know, and Chris disagrees with me, which if you want, which I'm sure you probably will, um, is what is the old saying? Uh, turn lemons into lemon juice, right? That turn, turn lem- <laughs> you turn lemons into lemonade. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. I told you I was going to mess it up, right? <laughs> I'm uh, going to call it. Every time I see a kid on the side of the road now, what you selling there, kid? Lemon juice? <laughs> give me, a, I'm going to give me a cup of that lemon juice. I Well, I like lemon juice in my old fashioned. <laughs> but um, that's why it was stuck on my head. Sure. <clears throat> so, you know, that's a great thing. That's a great outlook. You know, uh, I, I want to say, I don't remember if it was episode six or it's episode five. Chris was talking about retraining your brain, right? Um, and and that's all it is. Putting a positive spin on everything. Cor- correct, because what wires, fi- sorry, what fires together, wires together. The idea yeah. of this sort of like pr- positive projection ther- or meditation is ultimately you're just going to try to keep getting your brain in a place where it, it defaults to a positive thought instead of a negative one. But I really do want to put a huge asterisk on this asterisk asterisk on this because um, when you are feeling anxious, there is almost nothing harder than to think of something positive because at that time, your brain is in a fearful state. It's only thinking of the bad stuff that can happen to you. All right, so this, this is a, a thing. And by the way, especially with people that have ADHD, where it's hard to concentrate and just kind of keep focused on one positive thought. Your brain might be jumping from, you know, you start thinking of something positive, but then it immediately goes to a negative thought or it goes from negative thought to negative thought to negative thought or positive to negative thought, et cetera, and so forth. This, this is a very, very difficult thing to do. In my personal experience, when I have tried to do positive projection therapy, I needed guided meditations to help me do this. I used Joe Dispenza, um, a guided meditation from him to help do this. Um, Joe Dispenza is, by the way, like, I don't want to say he's snake oil. There's some of his practices are somewhat questionable, but I do think his guided meditations were and are very effective. You can also use the Calm app, which has some free ones. Headspace, Waking Up uh, has a discounted membership. All of these things can help you do some sort of like positive, you know, reinforcement meditations. But it really, really is difficult when you are in a, an anxious or depressed state to think of something positive. Been there, done that. Just try to push through. If that means that you only think of that positive thing for 30 seconds, and then you've got to, you know, reshift back to, you know, and then you start thinking of something negative, and then you got to reshift back to it, and then you start thinking of something negative, and then reshift back to it. Just keep on trying. It will get easier after, you know, a couple of weeks. Yes, weeks, not maybe not even days. 
But as you keep on practicing trying to think of something positive in your life, positively reframing something that is going on or an experience, ultimately it will, your, again, your brain will try to start defaulting to the, to the happy things. And there was, I, I think it was actually a, the, the EMDR uh, grandmother, Fran, what was her name? Fran, blah, blah, Fran I can't remember her name now. Anyway, um, she said something along the lines of that everybody probably has at least one positive thing that they can focus on. And I do believe that that is true. What, there has got to be just really dig deep, find just a nugget of something happy and, and try to use that. But again, p- positive projection. I suffer from hypochondriasis which is basically a fear of horrible diseases, or in my case, it's just one disease. However, my positive projection is basically thinking of not having that disease. Or if your fear is failure or rejection, think about walking into a room and people applauding you or you know, thinking of you as being like you know, the best person in the room. And, you know, eventually, you know, if you keep on kind of thinking about it and willing it to be true... You know, it, it might end up being true. So it, it can be a very, you know, powerful thing. So there are multiple forms of meditation, such as mindfulness, which is kind of the you know popular one being tossed around. But uh, the positive projection meditation method where you're basically, you know, fixated on a positive thought, you know, give it, give it a whirl and, and, you know, give it an honest try for about 10 minutes a day for two weeks. It's all, you know, 10 minutes a day. You can, you can find some time to do that. Now, the other... Uh, kind of port or part to this is um if you are trying to do um basically like a positive mantra you know where you where you keep saying like i you know i will be successful i will be successful i will be successful or, or um you know i, I you know I'm, I'm going to you what's, what's a good positive mantra <laughs> i can't believe i can't think of one. But basically you keep on saying to yourself like I, I will be healthy i will be healthy or you know i'm, I'm gonna m- money is coming my way money's coming my way or <laughs> I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A Bible verse, uh, Philippians 4.13, that, that works as well. <laughs> Skating right by that, because this show does have spirituality in its subtitle. So uh, so we, if, if, if you are practicing a mantra, you, you need to do two things to make it effective. One is you have to believe it to be true at least like 85% of the way. So basically like, by the way, I said 85% because I'm looking at that on the, on the paper actually. That, I don't think that is the number. But I'll, <laughs> really, you, you need to at least a strong part of you needs to think that this, this is true. So for you to say to yourself, um, you, know, uh, what's, you know, Stephanie is going to like me. You know, that's your, that's your thing, right? You, wanna, you want a specific role. Stephanie's going to like me. Stephanie's going to like me. Stephanie is going to like me. Then you need to you need to really grip onto that thought and at least believe it with all of your power most of the way. But then ultimately, while you're repeating this mantra in your head or out loud, you need to also visualize this thing happening. So if your visualization is, well, I want I want um, you know P- I, I, my podcast will be successful. My podcast will be successful. You need to visualize your podcast being successful and in great detail. You know, you you sitting in a room talking into a microphone, looking at your analytics and seeing, you know, 50,000 people subscribe to it. And you envision all of this with great detail and you keep repeating it in your head. That is what backs up a mantra and then allows it to ultimately, you know, come true. So 
so uh, anyway, those are just some some helpful hints and tips on got you know pr- positive projection meditation and you know repeating a mantra in your in your head. So we're gonna go to break, and then when we come back. We're gonna dive a little bit into what we do that helps us, and what I would like you to do is kind of think about after listening to us, what do you do to help you in panic mode, avoiding panic mode when anxiety or depression starts coming on. All right. And we will be back really, we will be back in just a moment. All right. And we are back. So Jack is going to tell you some of his tools and methods that he uses to help not only heal his anxiety, but also get him out of maybe a sticky SOS type situation where he's maybe feeling a little panicked. But I actually want to define one thing really quick. A panic attack, if you think of anxiety as like a spectrum and, you know, having no anxiety is, you know, obviously on the, um, you know, at zero and then uh, full-blown panic attack, that's that's at 100. So you can exist on that anxiety spectrum, you know, at, at pretty much any point. You know, if you feel sort of nervous and panicky throughout the day, I would still even classify that as just a long-burning panic attack. You know, if you're sort of sitting at like anywhere between 75 to 100%. But uh, in any event, so yeah, Jack, why don't you tell us some of your tools and things that you use to help uh, heal your anxiety and panic. Okay. My number one go-to is I have to work out during the week. Uh, minimum three days a week. A good week is five days a week working out. I am mentally and physically exhausting my body. And I'm in a good place. That's what I do. That helps with the prevention side of it. Also, I use my, Chris calls it affectionately snake oils, but uh, I use essential oils. I actually don't think your essential oils are snake oil. I I I like your essential oils. It smells good, though. It does. It smells good. I think everything else you do is snake oil. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So, in the, I I have a routine. Like, I start out my day with my, uh, with a workout early in the morning, 6 a.m. I, Shower, get dressed, get to the office, put my essential oils on, and I do my daily reading. And from a Christian point of view, uh, straight from Ephesians, I put on my armor, right, to protect myself from whatever daily BS has come flying my way because we are all adults living in this crazy world together. And if you own a business or if you're employed or if you're even not employed, Done stuff is inevitably going to come flying your way at some point in time during the day. So what I want to do is I want to take a preventive measure and say, okay, I'm not looking at this. Let's get this straight. I'm not looking in a pessimistic view that this day is going to go to crap. I know it is because it always does. And I'm supposed to fail. That was my old point of view when I was in therapy. I used to have those points of view. Now I have a point of view Look, the day isn't supposed to go wrong. Life happens. It's okay. And I'm prepared for when it does happen and I can deal with it. Now, something does happen. I, I, I feel myself starting to trip offline, you know, and, and what I do is I, I, it, it's basic conflict resolution 101, right? I remove myself from the situation. You know, I get through the meeting or whatever it is, and I just kind of be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to 
just take a walk for a minute and and I'll go outside or and I'll do a quick walk or I go do some push-ups or sometimes a physical activity and I breathe you know we talk about in the past episodes the how important breathing is we also talk about how important exercise is that's what I use to help clear my mind that's what I use to focus to figure out what it is what's my next move and what I have to do and then I come back to it. I come back to whatever the issue, the problem is. Now I'm in a better headspace and now I can deal with it. Um, I'm not in the military anymore. If I don't have to make this decision in the next three seconds, nobody is going to die from it, right? So if, if, if a client or someone else is like pushing me, like, all right, can you do this? Can you do this not? Or what's going to happen? You know what? I just... You know what? I'll, I'll give you an email. I need to sit back and talk about it. Or I need to get with my CEO and find out a good price, what we can do and how we can make this. And what I'm doing is I've cre- we've created those uh, barriers, but these are okay barriers. These are like can help you type of barriers so that you don't get flustered, you don't get uh, overwhelmed, and you don't start spinning out of control. Right, I always think of like the Top Gun movie, the first one where him and Goose are in the plane spinning off to sea. Right, like that's it. Right, you know, I don't want to. I felt myself over the years going through that. Well, that's because I was in the military. I had to make those split second decisions. I had to deal with the moment. I couldn't take time to kind of like figure out what would be best. And sometimes you had to make those snap judgments and hope they came out right based on your experience, your knowledge, and your training. And 99% of the time, they worked out great. I retired from the military. I don't have to make snap judgments anymore. And I'm a whole lot better as a military man than I am as a uh, business owner. But over the past nine years of being a business owner, I've gotten a lot better at it. And I'm okay. And the biggest thing is, is I don't hold myself. Another thing I used to do when I first got out of the military, I was highly successful in the military. And when I got out of the military, I felt that I should still be at that same level of clout that I was when I got out of the military, not realizing that there's a whole learning curve that I had to go through. So that's me. Those are my tools. That's what I do. Chris, what do you got? I know you read your Bible daily. That's one. (laughs) (laughs) I, I do. I read, I read my, I keep one in my, uh, in my nightstand, like every hotel. <laughs> All right. So first off, work, the early workouts, I can't, well, first off, I can't stress enough that exercise in general is absolutely, it's the equivalent of a benzo. I mean, exercise is absolutely key to healing your anxiety. Um, it, whether that's intensity, high intensity workouts, which by the way, actually is not always the best move. Cause if you have a particularly high intensity workout, you're also raising up your oxidative oxidation levels and cortisol and a bunch of other things, which is prone to stress your body out even more. But even something like walking for 30 minutes to an hour, I just cannot stress enough how good that is. Now, Jack said he likes to do his early morning workouts. I, when I work out with him early in the morning or I do early workouts on my own, which by the way, I rarely do early morning workouts because I'm just not an early morning workout person and a lot of people aren't, but I really can't uh, understate enough how that just sets the precedent for the entire day. You really do feel better throughout the day. So 
I can't motivate myself to do early morning workouts <laughs> that often, but when I do, I'm really, really glad that I do. So I would encourage those who like to work out to try to do it in the morning um, and, and not to emulate what I do because it's, it's better for you. <laughs> as far as positive things in general, and again, this is something that is almost impossible to think about when you're in an anxious state. And for somebody with a general anxiety disorder, that may be, may, may be at all times. But nine times out of 10, maybe eight times out of 10, things are going to be okay. You know, like if you get some bad, I mean, life happens, you know, there's no way to prevent that, but chances are things will work out. They will be okay. And it's not worth catastrophizing. It's not worth worrying. It's going to be all right. And just try to hold on to that thought as best as you can. I know it's difficult, but just do your best to hold on to that. Breathing exercises, can't understate that enough in, in basically enacting the parasynthetic response for your nervous system. You can do that by doing um, a, a deep but short inhale and then a even deeper and longer exhale. Or you can do something called, I think what, I'm trying to think what it's called, but basically it's uh, where you do two very quick deep inhale, I'm sorry, two very quick strong inhales and then one very long deep exhale. So basically a... And that, what that does is that enacts your, um, basically has your, gets your lungs and your heart involved in activating your parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. Um, essential oils are very good. I know Jack uses them a lot. I do like them as well, but he, I think, finds them to be almost his, like, you know, it's kind of his his charm, so to speak, or, or the thing he relies on. That's my whoopee. It's his, it's his whoopee. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I don't quite have that but um but I, but I do think that they're very effective and then another thing that you can do if you are really in an sos type mode take a bowl of ice water and just slam your face right into that that uh, enacts something called the divers response yep and basically will activate your parasympathetic nervous system the idea being or what we think is happening from a biological standpoint is if you are in deep cold water submerged your body is trying to use less oxygen and energy as as you are struggling for air so basically popping your face in a bowl of ice water will tend to also calm you down especially if you were in a panic attack type state so i have to t i have to say this uh two weeks ago i had a client that i took down and we did a obstacle race down in south carolina and one of the obstacles is they had this tank that had 6700 ga gallons maybe yeah. i don't know that sounds like a lot Anyways, uh, of ice water yeah. and it's floating chunks. And, it, and it, it was probably like eight feet wide and six feet long, right? But the thing you had to do was it had halfway through, there was a piece of wood going across that was that went uh, a foot and a half above the water and six inches below the water. So you had to do a full submersion yeah. to get to the other side. And like... Everybody else was just like, okay, like when we got to the obstacle, everybody's like, okay, okay. Um, the, you know, the first thing you want to do is, and there was this lady in front of me and I was like, ma'am, are you going to go? And she goes, you know, I'm just really trying to pick it. I'm like, do you mind if I go? And she goes, no, you're fine. She goes, everybody else just kind of, and I'm like, Chris Blash, yeah. boom, like I'm in. <laughs> and like, I did a cannonball into it. I pushed off the side and I swam all the way to the other side. Didn't even, I didn't play the game, hopped out. And, I, and it was just amazing, right? Like I ripped my shirt off. I had a big Superman <laughs> S on it. And what was funny was when my client did it, 
he got out of it, he had never been in ice water, like never dunked his face into it, never, ever. And it's funny, like we're, we're, it, the obstacles were pretty close together. So we, you had to walk like 15 feet and then you had to set up for another obstacle. And the whole time, like he's talking to himself, he's like, I feel amazing. Like every part of me is like all tingling and, and alive. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it was funny to watch his reaction. So I, I take to, to second on that, I take a cold shower and or a cold plunge every day. Now, science has shown us that we need only about 11 minutes of cold exposure a week in order to actually gain some of the benefits from it. There are physiological benefits, there are mental benefits, et cetera, and so forth. I cannot understate enough how amazing cold showers or even better cold plunges are. The dopamine, the massive dopamine spike that you get and the very, very slow burn. It's not a crash like you get with sugar or cocaine or pornography. It is just this beautiful, huge spike, slow burn, and and no you know massive downfall on your baseline. Cold plunging, cold showers are absolutely excellent. Uh, and most people hate the cold. I mean, people just don't like cold showers, exposure, et cetera. So I really, I, I try to try to battle through the cold showers thing. You, it's, I really, it's the best thing. Anyway, uh, meditating. Uh, I meditate every night. I also do resonant breathing, where basically I, you know, five second inhale, five uh, second exhale. That is supposed to increase your heart rate variability, uh, which is a big factor in in sort of physiological and mental. Uh, resilience, um, walking, exercise again, also really great stuff. And then if all else fails, if you are in a panicky state, if all else fails, ask for more. Yeah. Say, anxiety, do your worst. Give me more anxiety. Panic, give me more panic. I want to feel more afraid. I want to feel more butterflies in my stomach. I want to feel so, so bad. Anxiety, bring it on. And when you say that and you mean it and you just let anxiety exist and you show it you're not afraid that is going to rewire your brain to to just show to to tell your amygdala that hey things are fine and i'm powering through this and honestly if you if you can master that too i mean that will just absolutely you'll you'll be a completely new person the more you ask anxiety to hurt you the less effect it has on you it's amazing how it works but it absolutely does so try and practice that. That has been an absolute lifesaver for me. So those are some of the things that I do. Um, and, um, you know, again, between Jack and I, I hope some of these tools will help you uh, in your journey to healing your anxiety. Uh, Jack, you have anything else you want to add? I do. Uh, one thing that I recommend that you can do, especially after a hard therapy session, reward, reward yourself, right? Like, hey, if I get through this, Everybody loves a Scooby snack, right? Like there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Now, I'm not saying go buy two gallons of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and just start housing it, right? Because there's some still some physical body measures we need to keep going. But if it's like, you know what? I, I earned that milkshake from that place that I, I earned a Starbucks, what have you. He, um, he's, so I'm, I'm going to use a little bit of science here to somewhat disagree with that statement. You, you should reward yourself, but you should do it in a way that will not affect your dopamine baseline. For example, maybe having like a small sugary snack is okay. But And, and to be fair, Jack, you did say don't buy two gallons of Ben & Jerry's and hunk it down. The, the thing is, though, is that if you... Let's say you get through a hard therapy session and you reward yourself with a lot of junk food, pornography drugs, alcohol. The problem is, is that afterwards 
your dopamine baseline, you're going to go below your dopamine baseline. That's just how that stuff works. Yep. So if you've made all this progress in therapy and now all of a sudden you're, you're, uh, underneath your dopamine baseline, well, now you've just told your brain that this, uh, this progress that I've made through therapy, I'm going to feel bad afterwards. It's just, it's just unfortunately how your brain works. So yes, reward yourself, but try to do it with maybe like healthier things such as, Maybe a new type of workout, or maybe a very, very small sugary snack, um, or maybe just watching, you know, some some TV or listening to a podcast, or I mean, just but some something that is not going to get you below your dopamine baseline. There are a list of things that you can do, but but ultimately, yes, reward yourself, but do it with something healthy and productive. So you only half disagreed with me. I only I only half disagreed. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Don't do two gallons. Just do one gallon of yeah. Exactly. Ice cream. You know, it's okay to Netflix and chill, right? <laughs> there, you're not going to gain weight Netflixing unless you do it 36 hours a day. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's that's the middle cog of the wheel in our journey to freedom. Uh, and the next one. We, and then in the next one we will do, we will talk about, in episode eight, we will talk about, uh, okay, hey, I'm done with therapy. I'm ready to graduate, basically where, where Jack is at, and um, your journey after, you know, post, post-ending therapy. So I uh, hope everybody enjoyed and got something out of this episode. Jack, appreciate you throwing together this, this uh, uh, the, the show notes on this. Thank you. Jack the Coastie, that is. I was scolded by his wife that I need to use his, his new... Yeah, yeah, we're we're going with the new tag thing. It, it but we're incorporating the podcast into our business. Uh, I'm a safety expert, so there you go. All right, that was the only way is up. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with another episode really soon. Thank you for listening to the only way is up. The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only, and should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice. If you have any medical concerns please consult with your doctor. Please like, follow, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you need to contact us, feel free to reach out to us at support at thecoco.net.